This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education, bringing you another very exciting episode within our, our realm of adapted physical education conversations and talks. And today, what we're going to talk about is the impact of the OSEP, or the Office of Special Education Programs, Personnel Development Grants, um, and how it's impacted the adapted physical education profession. And, and just to begin with, we're going to have a, a big measure or we're going to have a, a, a nice diverse group of people that have you know been a part of this grant at different parts of their careers come on and talk to us and to begin with I would say the person that's maybe the 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 king or the pinnacle of the OSEP grant in our field well maybe not king but it's almost Garth <laughs> Garth Tymeson here who's a UWL lacrosse former just retired recently retired professor who had multiple OSEP grants and is one of the, I guess, the, one of the biggest advocates, that's what I should say, one of the biggest advocates for the OSEP grant in our field. And he's, uh, he's going to help me moderate it today. And Garth, real quickly, um, we can both discuss briefly the OSEP grant and our own, you know, experience and stuff. And, and my experience is brief in that I, uh, that's how I got my master's through one of these uh, grants with Susanna Dillon at Wayne State University some time ago. <laughs> I, it changed my life, honestly. Um, I was on a trajectory uh, to be a teacher, and, and that would have been great and fine, but this definitely changed the trajectory of my life uh, quite a bit, where now I've lived in four states and um, all these other things. And so, you know, really quickly, Garth, before we have some of our other uh, scholars and people that have been a part of these OSEP grants, can you talk a little bit about your experiences and what the OSEP grant is? Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on with the, uh, with the, with the guru of uh, Adapted PE Podcasts. I appreciate it. Yeah. And again, uh, my, my background has been significantly impacted uh, by OSEP, uh, Office of Special Education uh, Grants. Um, I, I wouldn't be in adapted physical education right now, or I should say I wouldn't have been in if it wasn't for these grants. So for example, uh, when I was finishing up my undergraduate degree in physical education teaching at SUNY Cortland, I became aware of a master's program in adapted physical education at uh, SUNY Brockport. And uh, I, I was lucky enough uh, to be um, part of that with uh, Dr. Joe Winnick with Ron French and with Paul Jansma. And uh, that was my uh, beginning in adapted physical education. And again, I was just very, very fortunate. And so we're talking um, about some of the first, uh, you know, generation of persons that had these grants when you talk about Dr. Joe Winnick. And then obviously, uh, Ron French and Paul Jansma went on to different universities, including Utah, Texas Women's University, Ohio State University, and then had their own OSEP grants. And we're going to talk about some of those family trees uh, as we progress today um, in this podcast. But then after, um, after my master's at Brockport, I taught for a couple of years in the Rochester area in adapted physical education, Rochester, New York, obviously. And then I went on for further OSEP um, uh, grant uh, work. Uh, I did my doctoral work under Claudine Sherrill at Texas Women's University. And again, was very fortunate to be involved in an OSEP grant down there. 
And that's kind of where I got my introduction uh, and taste for actually working as part of the grant. Uh, I was fortunate enough my last year in my doctoral program to be a grant coordinator with Claudine uh, on one of her doctoral programs. And then my first position was at Northern Illinois University outside of Chicago. And within a couple of years, uh, I was able to uh, uh, successfully obtain an OSEP grant uh, at Northern Illinois University. And then on it goes, on it goes. So uh, again, very fortunate to be involved in these. Um, hopefully what we're gonna be able to do today is to share with your audience the benefits of these grants and the impact that it has had in adapted physical education at both the master's and doctoral levels. Uh, and also um, just give a little bit of information to the students that might be listening out there today um, about the funding that's available and also um, talk to the faculty members who are listening because towards the end uh, or somewhere in the podcast, we wanna make sure that they understand that this is a very distinct possibility for a lot of universities to hopefully get more involved with OSEP grants. And uh, you know, when, uh, when you ask me uh, the questions, uh, Scott, I'll be able to uh, let people know some of the things that need to be in place um, if, if they're interested in, uh, you know, pursuing an OSEP grant at the master's level, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about that stuff. Absolutely. So and we have, I think, five guests all together, not including uh, yourself, uh, mm -hmm. coming on. And, and, you know, we had originally talked about this, and I believe you said something, and this is about OSEP ancestry, and it's our <laughs> DNA in the field. You said it rather than 23andMe, this is... This is OSEP funding in me. You uh, got it. And who we've become in our family tree um, and, and some of them. So with that, uh, you know, our first guest is going to be Dr. Ron French and Lisa Sullivan French, who I'm going to have kind of talk about themselves in a moment, but both of whom I was able to work with at Texas Women's University during my PhD. So and Scott, if you want, I could kind of go through that family tree a little bit right now if you want me to. More than welcome to. Yeah, yeah. And so here's a little bit of the uh, of the ancestry, okay? And, sure. and what I like what I like to term this today is I'm calling it a little bit of a five academic generation podcast. And I actually came close to making it six generations with Dr. Lane Goodwin, who had one of the first OSEP grants here at uh, Lacrosse. But unfortunately, due to COVID uh, situations in his retirement uh, community, I wasn't able to get Grant but, uh, or um, uh, um, Lane. But he does regularly communicate with many of his former students. And some of those names you'll recognize, Ron Davis, Monica Lepore, Bob Arnhold. Those were all former students of Lane Goodwin, and he was my sixth one. So today, for example, just get, get a hold of this now. Ron French was my faculty member at SUNY Brockport in the master's program. And again, with, with Joe Winnick and Paul Jansma. So after I completed that program there, I went on for my PhD at TWU as a funded grant. Then... Um, I served as Manny Felix's mentor 
when he was in my master's program funded at Northern Illinois University, Manny then completed his PhD at Oregon State University on an OSEP funded grant. And then he became a project co-director with me. Brock McMullen then was mentored by Manny and myself while an undergraduate in adaptive PE at La Crosse. Then he went on to his master's and doctoral program at Utah with Hester Henderson. Now Brock is an OSEP project director at La Crosse where he's currently mentoring graduate scholars on his adaptive physical education OSEP grant. And I'm sure Lisa um, is also, um, you know, who studied at uh, adaptive physical education at Texas Women's University and served as a, as a pro project director for many years, she can probably get into some of her family tree also. So it's, it's an amazing thing. And there's many, many of these family trees in adapted physical education. And obviously the common thread is that they all have a major impact on adapted physical education and the services that PK-12 students are receiving. And again, you've got the heritage also, Scott. And so there's so many of these OSEP family trees. And the good part about it is, is that it continues and hopefully we're gonna be able to get more faculty into this and to be submitting these OSEP grants. And it looks like Dr. Ron French and Dr. Lisa Silliman French are joining us now. If you both could briefly talk a little bit about just who you are and how you came into the field of APE and your background in APE, real briefly kind of the cliff notes, that would, pro that would be really helpful for our listeners to get to know who, the, who you both are. I'm a retired Piper and Canera professor. Um, I, I received both of those uh, awards from Texas Women University. Actually, the second one is from the, the state of Texas. I've taught APE in Manhattan Beach. I developed a program there. I've never been back there to see if, it, I don't even know if it exists anymore, but I'm gonna say that program's running smoothly. It's one of the best ones nationally. Um, <laughs> I was a substitute teacher. I taught uh, biology and PE in the city of Los Angeles. That's where I got through a couple of years of um, working on my degree at uh, Dr. Dupree. I lectured at UCLA in the, in the area of really special education, but they brought me in to get some ideas about this thing called physical education. And we did all kinds of fun activities. It was a good experience. I've taught at, I think, um, Brockport, and I have students like Garth, uh -huh. University of Utah, and uh, Texas Women's University in the area of APE, where this grant really came in great. Without this, I wouldn't have this. <laughs> but never, that's one of the, the most important things of this grant program, is I met my wife. Did you? Did you? Your wife also, Garth? Absolutely. I met my wife at Texas Women's University. Thank goodness. She oh. saved me. <laughs> <laughs> you you were married right after you left TW? TW? Uh, no, no. My last year there, we got married. Uh, how about Scott? I mean, I got married while I was at TW, but uh, had I was somebody I met back in Detroit. So 
but so no no affiliation to the OSEP grant except yeah no not nothing but no, no, and, and, no and, and, and yes about. and yes and yes my my wife was on the OSEP grant also as a master's student wow. when I was doing my doctoral work so funding your 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 wedding huh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in those uh, universities my my area was what was pedagogy with a special interest in behavior worked with uh, Dr. U, uh, Hewitt, Frank Hewitt at UCLA. Um, related OSEP grants, I was a faculty member on a grant at Brockport and that was with Joe Winnick, uh, Paul Jansma, and you don't hear much about it, but we also had Marty uh, Brock, you uh, may had a class from her. Absolutely, I had a couple of courses with Dr. Putoff. She was wonderful. I thought so too. Mm -hmm. At Utah, Utah for two to three years, they asked me to come to TWU and just hold a position for Jeff McCubbin, because he to go to T to, to um, U of U, you had to finish your doctoral degree, and he was off by one semester. So I was at U of U, and they asked if I'd bring my family, whatever, and teach there, and I really wouldn't have to teach much, so I took it. So, but at there. Um, I was the, the director of the master's program, kind of 20 something years, lost, didn't, um, a couple of years we weren't funded in that time, that time period. It was pretty easy in a sense to write the grant when you had people like put off and Pfeiffer and a few others that were there during that those 22 years. Um, that's kind of me, unless you have other questions about my background that's legal for me to respond to. You were with Cheryl at TV. Oh, and Cheryl, double type print there, went right by her, number one was stars. I was very lucky in the people that I was able to uh, work with throughout my career, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, so the SHAPE conference was last week and we went to the Claudine Cheryl breakfast or lecture now. And they had us all stand up if you had any kind of like, so either like you were taught by Claudine Cheryl or if you were taught by like one of her disciples. And, uh, you know, I think more than half the room, or actually I'd say like 75% of the room stood up. Um, that was really cool. So, uh, you know, her name is still going very strong in the area um, as well. But, and with that though, uh, Dr. Lisa, would you briefly talk about your, your background in adaptive physical education so our listeners can know who they're talking to. Listen. Yes, I went to, I earned my bachelor's of science degree at Cortland State, same as Garth, we were both Cortland Dragons. Oh, and okay. I was actually an athletic trainer, I wanted to be a physical education teacher, but I, and then I was an athletic trainer and I loved it. I was, I actually worked with some really nice, um, like Syracuse, the division one, I just loved being an athletic trainer. And then my very last semester, I had to take a class in adaptive physical education and I was like okay yeah I'll just take this class and that's what did it for me that one class I totally changed my career and I was, I was influenced to come to TWU because um, number one it was very inexpensive out of state was six dollars a credit hour and I could afford it mm -hmm. and a, a woman named Trudy Valley got her master's there and she said you'd love it go down to TWU and, and get your master's so I went to TWU and I was on the OSEP grant not my first year my second year 
and I just loved it. I was not, I was an average student, but then I just started soaring educationally wise. And I just was doing really well. And I was mentored by doctors, Piper, French and Cheryl. And I just loved it. And I decided in my head that I, I, I wasn't going to get a doctor. I was, that was not in my will. But then I taught for a year and, and Dr. Piper and I spoke and I went back to get my doctorate and I just loved every minute of it. So it was a really nice influence from the three faculty. But I did teach in the public school. I strongly believe that you should have, this was my opinion, at least five to 10 years experience before going into a university. So I ended up with 16 years of the public school. During that time, I was able to teach part-time at UNT, the University of North Texas as well as Texas Women's University. I helped out with the assessment class. And then there was an opening at TWU and I didn't wanna work there because my husband was there and I wanted to make sure that students didn't know, I didn't, just didn't want the influence. I wanted to be my own person. So I was, and they, um, he stayed upstairs, I was downstairs. Many students didn't know we were married and I developed who I am and I enjoyed every minute of it. And it was an honor to be able to be part of those grants. I helped out with them for years. And it was an honor to write and get a grant accepted. So it was, and I retired in two, August 2019. So now I'm a faculty emerita and I'm still working with students and still active teaching part-time here and there. And I, Garth mentioned the family tree. I have a really nice relationship with two students that just, well, they're not students anymore. Two faculty at Cal State Long Beach that wrote the grant, which was quite nice. And we, I helped them out a little bit behind the scenes, not much, but they did. Uh, quite a bit so that's me absolutely and, and those and those um, people that's uh, melissa right and amanda? melissa and amanda yep they wrote that they wrote actually two grants one they just you know you help them by sharing your grants and help out and and mm -hmm. they did all the work but you know you support them emotionally and any questions they have and i got to read a little bit of the grant it was fun to read so it was nice absolutely yeah. and i think your disciples are are, are kind of all over and you've worked with me as well and I appreciate oh, all your support. But I love yeah. working with Scott. I just had some nice mm -hmm. writing with him with some administrators. That was really fun. David Adams we're still writing with. I really enjoy him as well. I don't yeah. know who else I'm working with but yeah. Scott in Turkey. <laughs> oh in Turkey we're still doing some work in Turkey. So it's, mm -hmm. um Scott I need to put you on that radar for next year. It never ends right no um, it's okay so we want to talk a little bit about this OSEP grant. We want to, you know, inform people, faculty members, students about the, the potential of what they can do. But, I, you know, I want to hear from you both. Um, you know, what do you feel are three to four of the major impacts that the OSEP professional development grants have had on the field of adaptive physical education in higher ed and in the uh, PK-12 schools? Okay, I have, I've listed three impacts. Which I'd like to give in there interrelated. Um, so I'm just going to spiel them off. Has a positive impact on the increased number and quality of doctoral faculty and master's level scholars. That's one. And two is a positive impact on the development of one of our professional organizations, National Consortium, which in turn is developed the APEN's national standards and, uh, and the, the national examination. I've spent a lot of time with those, um, which are great. The third one is had positive influence on the number of students with disabilities receiving appropriate physical education in 
athletic programs. So they start to the one thing because you both of you I think knew Jansma. Yes, I did. Uh, did you? I was talking to him just before he retired about his impact and what did he think was really one of the greatest things. And he came up, he figured out a formula that he believed that he's impacted directly or indirectly on more than 100,000 kids with disabilities, 100,000. So you look at there's, I don't know, 200 doctoral faculty floating around that have been trained at some university. And if each one really did what he says he thinks they've done, either directly or indirectly, that's a lot of kids that we've been yeah. on. Yeah, and, and I believe that, uh, you know, uh, Scott, yourself, uh, Lisa, myself, you know, at the doctoral level, um, you know, preparing teachers and everything. Um, I mean, you know, we're going to talk today a lot about, you know, some, some of the people in the field, but think of, I always think of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of K-12 adapted physical education specialists that these yeah. OSEP grants have prepared. And then you get that ripple effect as to what their caseload is. And we're talking really, as, as you're just saying, Ron, and what Paul has figured out, and I'm not surprised he got into the detail, um, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. But you know what's the crazy thing? We still aren't even close to filling the number of job positions that we get. Um, we're not, and, and I talk to people that have the OSEP grants, whether it's TWU, Cal State Chico, whether it's lacrosse here, um, we don't even come close to filling the number of K-12 adapted physical education positions that we get. And so, you know, the listeners today, Scott, the students that are on, and then also higher education faculty, um, there's funding for those students that want to get their master's degrees and doctoral degrees, but also faculty who are listening. There's a lot of faculty that I still think can take advantage of these OSEP grants, but they just need a little bit of prodding and a little bit of help. As Lisa was saying, uh, you know, with Amanda and Melissa, there's a lot of programs out there where at the master's level, they have uh, a, a specialization or a concentration in adapted physical education and I think with some help, um, you know, they can be successful submitters in this competition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and Dr. Lisa, would you like to kind of take that same question um, that I gave Dr. French about what you think the, the top three or four impacts have been from the OSEP grant? Uh, and maybe, maybe you could even just add on to some of the things that Dr. French said. Yes. Okay. I, I, yes. Because of the involvement in the OSEP grants, what I, I really learned to do is you really must be effective and it's a must. And I usually don't like that word. Claudia never liked that word. We must be effective with collaboration and communication. And, and that is just um, a really nice avenue that I was able to learn being on being a director of this grant. You know, you work with administrators in the public schools, teachers, parents, and as well as the, the, the faculty in your department and outside your department. So that whole um, connection makes such a successful program. And it's a really great feeling when you sit back and you just watch this program run. And Garth uh, touched on it. It's so important that faculty just take a stab at writing these grants. And if you don't get accepted, it's okay. Look at the feedback and do it again because that whole unit, that five years is a phenomenal experience because of the 
the connections you make with people throughout the, and as well as the OSEP, um, like Louise Tripoli, I don't know, I don't think she's still there, but she was, she's there. is she absolutely wonderful to work with, great supportive um, group of people there. The second thing I was, is the development of positive relationships with your scholars. I'm still in touch with many of my scholars and I just love keeping in touch with them as well as parents and teachers. I still have a parent that writes me about her daughter and how she's doing and the impact that we had on her daughter. That's just those feelings that you get back are just worth every cent. If, if, you know, when you get those nice positive feedbacks from parents and students and they write you, they'll text you, send you a quick little email. It really, really makes you feel so good. Um, within that, uh, I, the relationships with scholars, which I really enjoyed, is working with faculty and make, ha helping the, the scholars become more professional and accountable in APE. And they learned also to mentor. So you're mentoring and they learn to mentor. So that's a really nice impact for our students with disabilities in the communities. So that, that was really the thing. And the last thing is, and I know that many of this, my scholars as well as people in the field know that I love the area of assessment. So that, that area, that stressed area was quite nice within the OSEP program. The scholars had an opportunity to learn because that's so important that we teach that um, and, and they understand that foundation of assessment. Because when they go out there, they've got the teaching they really need to understand the assessment. And that was a nice impact for the, helped out the, the scholars throughout the years and their ability to assess appropriately and effectively in the public schools for our students with disabilities. Yeah, Scott, I think those are fantastic impacts. And I'm gonna just kind of jump back real quick to one of the things Ron said. I think a lot of people who are not intimately involved in adapted physical education forget that the whole APENS National Standards Project was also an OSEP-funded grant. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, Dr. Luke Kelly was the, the, the leader in that for many, many years, and he was the one that wrote that grant proposal. And that APENS and that Certified Adapted Physical Educator, that also came out of um, an OSEP-funded grant. And obviously, that continues to have very, very positive ripple effects throughout the entire country. Yeah. You know, Garth, that, and I'm going to agree with you so much on that too. That, with Luke's movement with that of APEN standards, it just increased the quality of all of our programs. Mm -hmm. And it, the standards were high. And so our scholars came in with those expected standards and they needed to learn and pass that exam. That was just really mm -hmm. nice addition to the OSEP um, experience, the grants that we wrote. Mm -hmm. and, and just for the listeners that might be like faculty and stuff, there's there's got to be like what about 20 OSEP types of grants out there and the ones that we've been talking about are the professional development ones which are the K and the D's but um, there are a bunch of research ones and there's knowledge dissemination ones and all that which I, I think is one of the ones that Luke Kelly got so um, yeah, yeah. They, that's they, a good point yeah that's a good point Scott we do yeah, that's a very good point because there's also parent center grants, there's uh, evaluation grants, uh, there's technical assistance grants. And also remember now, adapted physical education is just one discipline that is in the 325K uh, competition. And so, you know, we're talking about maybe seven or eight funded OSEP projects that exist right now in adapted physical education, but there are literally hundreds of them that exist in the special education fields and the related services fields. 
And so we are in adaptive physical education, we're a very, very small part of the entire OSEP portfolio of personnel development grants. But the, but the important thing is we are part of it and OSEP recognizes that we are a very important part of it. And we're part of that personnel shortage crisis that exists in 48 states. 48 states and many territories have declared uh, special education personnel and related service personnel shortages over the past two years. And this is nothing new. For decades, we've had shortages. And luckily, the Department of Education and OSEP have recognized that. And these grant programs are authorized through the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And again, another important thing is, and you mentioned five years um, when you were talking about the grants, um, uh, Scott, the good thing about this for faculty members is that these grants are funded every year. So like Lisa said, if you don't get funded, don't get over frustrated. You can take your critiques and you can again submit the following year and the following year. So this isn't a grant competition that's only open once every four or five years. This grant competition is annual because it matches the federal budget. Do they still have programs where you can, you can go to and they can, they'll look at your grant proposal and you go through and you edit it and you get feed, constant feedback and after you leave, what happens, you could submit more parts to your grant and then they stick with you through the whole grant writing process. So you have these professionals that are helping you. Mm -hmm. they, they used to fund it, most San Diego, Chicago, both, yeah. both had programs like that. And boy, is that a help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did too. Exactly. You know, I didn't know. Um, but, you know, Lisa, you said something that was really important also. It's also um, people helping other people. So people in adapted physical education, helping the younger faculty members who want to get involved in this, in, you know, in this enterprise. Um, but there are a couple of technical assistance programs that still exist where you can get um, assistance and especially in the evaluation area. So um, just because of time, and actually, Dr. Felix, I'm going to admit him in a second, So, he'll, but he knows to be muted for a minute. Mm -hmm. I do want to know just kind of your last thoughts on, and we've kind of addressed this, especially since we talked about uh, marriages and stuff coming from the grant, but how, is the, how have these grants um, impacted you personally? You gave, me, gave me a job for 23 years, 24 years. I thought it was pretty good. Plus a, a wife. I, I, I did want to mention one, one thing, is that I wonder if the OSEP program did not exist, what would be the training programs today look like at the university level? And same, what would those kids look like that received our programs over all those years? And that's, that's why it's so important to me is that we train faculty members to actually write these grants and like Garth said, and help them out because it's so tough. We have um, the one grant that we have in the, in, in the appendices, there's one or two tables that came from Cheryl. We've, had, we've kept it since Cheryl. It hasn't been removed, we like it. So I put a few in it, other people put a few in it, but, it's, but these 
now are so high powered grants because it's touched so many. Uh, we worked with um, Hester. So mm -hmm. you're getting three or four universities that already have grants that are sharing them with their students. So a person just walking in that's a hot dog and special ed and wants to get involved in everything, at the competition, that person's probably in the C level and you have the A level with all these people that are meshing their grants. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, when I, uh, I couldn't agree more with Ron about the, the personal impact when you see what would be out there if we didn't um, graduate all these adaptive physical education specialists, whether they be itinerant specialists or just in one school. Um, it, it, would, it makes me very nervous, but I can understand because we all see programs where they don't have adaptive physical education teachers and we just shake our head because we know the kids with disabilities are not getting the quality and the quantity of the services they should be getting. And it would be a very scary situation um, in, many, uh, in many states and districts if it wasn't for the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of adaptive PE teachers that weren't coming out of these OSEP grants. And again, we're not even close to meeting the need. Absolutely. All right, and Dr. Lisa, if you wanna provide kind of uh, personal experiences or, or how, how this grant has impacted you personally as well. Personally, I, because of the OSEP grants, I was just so excited to work. Honestly, every day I didn't wake up and not, I just love being part of the grant, the entire um, the continuous learning environment for me, for the scholars, for the community, the students. I loved recruiting new scholars. I just, my focus in, when, in my job, and I think Scott, you know this well, it, are the students, the scholars, and they're my number one, and I loved it, and I loved the learning environment, and I just want to say I became extremely motivated when I started to grow and learn, and I felt more confident, which was inspired by my mentors, Dr. Cheryl Piper in French. I love the field and wanted to make an impact in the area of adaptive physical education, as well as special education. And just it was a, it was just an honor to be part of the tradition, part of the writing of all the universities that have these grants. So it's really a great experience for me. I loved it. Thank you very much. Um, just because we have Dr. Felix here now, I really appreciate your time and coming on the podcast. I, I want to know a little bit about Dr. Felix, who you are, and briefly maybe talk about your background in, in the adaptive physical education profession. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, it's a privilege to be here with you. Um, well, my background, I, I received my undergraduate degree at UC Davis in 1986. And thereafter, I didn't know exactly what I was going to be doing, but I saw a little flyer on a bulletin board that stated adaptive PE teacher preparation, tuition assistance available. And that was a huge thing to me as a minority student with some financial debt. Uh, but anyway, I, I did go to Northern Illinois University for their master's adaptive PE program. I graduated there in 1990. And thereafter, I taught uh, adaptive PE in Rockford, Illinois for a while. Um, I also taught adaptive PE and special education in, uh, in Texas before getting my PhD in 1993 at Oregon State University which had an OSEP-funded doctoral leadership training grant. Um, I started my first higher education position 
directing the undergraduate adaptive PE program at University of Wisconsin La Crosse. Uh, I started there in 1994. And while there, my colleagues, Pat DiRocco and uh, Garth Timeson, we wrote and received many OSEP APE training grants. I worked there for 20 years before moving on to Winona State University, where I now direct the undergraduate adaptive PE program there. So that's a little bit of my background. I, and I'm sure, you know, I ask these questions to people that have been around in the field for a long time. So being as brief as possible, I'm sure is, is uh, quite the, uh, the challenge. So I really appreciate that and give us a little bit of background uh, on yourself. So sure. my next question is like, what do you feel are some of the most uh, major impacts that the OSEP personnel development grants have had on the AP profession in both the, the public schools and in higher education? Right. Uh, well, I think one obvious thing is that these grants prepare high quality, highly effective adaptive PE teachers who can implement physical education services, specially designed if necessary for students with disabilities. And these are teachers who are valued as integral special educators who teach PE. They participate in all aspects of the special ed process from determining eligibility through assessment protocols. They design unique meaningful education programs. They monitor progress to ensure learning functional outcomes. Um, they work collaboratively with other education professionals. They work on physical, social, cognitive, and other academic areas. They contribute to transition programming to help students with disabilities learn community physical activity skills that enhance community participation and functional independence. I think the APE programs in K-12 education has come a long way. And now we have more school districts recognizing the value of high quality PE and APE services specifically for students with disabilities. So I think that's one obvious impact that these grants have, um, have provided. In terms of impact of OSEP training programs in higher education, uh, APE teacher preparation at the undergrad and graduate levels is seen as a necessary and valuable component of overall PE teacher education now, I believe. Um, it could be better, but it has advanced in the time that I have been a part of these grant projects. Uh, but overall, I think professionals in higher education, they see the need for high quality leadership to implement these APE preparation programs so that these graduate scholars of these APE programs can be an integral contributor to special ed programs and deliver high quality APE for students with disabilities. And you know, also because of, of success in preparing high quality APE teachers, I think this in itself has provided justification for keeping APE services in the federal mandate, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And it has also served as a fundamental need to continue identifying APE teacher preparation programs as a legitimate funding area of OSEP teacher training grants. And, and one, one just quick thing from, from my experience being around OSEP grants, knowing people in them, and, mm -hmm. you know, and also working in an area that maybe didn't have very strong APE as well, is although there is this national reach of the OSEP grants, I will say, and as Garth has said now a few times now about we're really scratching the surface mm -hmm. grants right now, we need so much more, but, you know, the areas where there's... Um, where there is history of these OSEP grants, um, you often see a ge geographical kind of APE is strong within, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a radius around these grants that APE is really strong in these geographical regions. 
um, due to them. So you go to lacrosse, you go to Denton. Right. Um, I'm sure if you go to the areas around Oregon State, um, I'm sure APE is. So you really like it. There's and obviously there's a national reach, but there's such strong kind of APE in those areas because of the grants. Yeah, and I think that's the direct impact of those um, training grants and you know, it, it translates into good quality services in the local school districts. That is often where the, um, these graduate scholars receive their training. And oftentimes these school districts recognize the value of these APE teachers who know what they're doing and they consider hiring them. That's not, that was not unusual in the lacrosse school district. You, you know, another thing, Scott, you brought up a good point um, about the quality of services that seem to be around the um, geographic area. Uh, where these grants are. Another thing is um, back probably in the um, 70s and 80s, uh, also the states that have add-on teaching licenses in adapted physical education, uh, California, Louisiana, Ohio, M Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they were some of the states also that had your higher education leaders that had OSEP grants and also recognized the need the same way that special educators recognize the need that we need to prepare specialists and they were some of the first ones. And unfortunately, um, still only about 12 states with those, with those add-on teaching licenses. And, and I think OSEP grants had a lot to do with some of those very high quality add-on teaching licensure programs. I think we're dealing with a, if you build it, they will come kind of situation with yeah. these grants that, that provide. No, no, if, if you write them, they will fund. That's good. That's good. Dr. Felix, I, I want to know, um, you know, I, I want to know what are, what you believe are some of the major factors that higher ed faculty should consider as they think about developing an OSEP grant um, in APE of their own? Well, there are many things and um, a lot of things to consider, of course, but generally, you know, do your homework and talk to people who have successfully procured these grant projects before. Um, certainly consult with a consortium to get available resources. Um, the Department of Education can serve as a resource and they have uh, individual professionals there can help you with the grant process. I think overall, just be prepared to document, 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 including things like project evaluation data, as well as objective impact on the profession. Start early, ask questions and, and try not to get frustrated. Read carefully through the RFP guidelines and criteria. And, you know, oftentimes institutes of higher education, they now have a grants officer and, you know, you can work with that professional to work through all the details. You know, Scott, one thing, and obviously Manny won't say this, but, and as you're finding this out, Scott, I think as you're in the development phase, well, one real important thing too is having a colleague or two that you can work with at a university. Um, you know, Manny was a wonderful colleague as a co-director of a project with me. You need to have a team of people. And as Manny knows now, and you know now, Scott, you're also going to have to be working uh, in an interdisciplinary venue. And so I was lucky to have Manny as a colleague, and we team tag on a lot of things 
Now, also, what you're having to do through the interdisciplinary grant competition is reach across academic departments and have a colleague that you can work with in that arena. And so I was lucky to have Manny and now you're reaching out across academic departments and we can talk a little bit more about that later when we talk about you know, what, what faculty need to be doing. Absolutely. Um, and, and Dr. Felix and Dr. Timeson, um, you know, on that point, what do you think, what types of things need to be in place in your university for you to be successful with these grants? Well, again, many things, but I think a solid APE preparation program curriculum to start. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, read through the RFP criteria. And these criteria, they reflect the kinds of processes and documentation and content that a program should fundamentally adopt for these grant projects. I think another important factor is institutional support. It's important that you can demonstrate that your university supports the APE program in terms of financial support, faculty support that uh, Dr. Thymus has mentioned before, and other in-kind in -kind support. And also another thing that needs to be in place are significant practical teaching opportunities for student scholars to practice their APE teaching. I view this as very, very important. And these scholars, they need access to high quality sites where they are able to apply their knowledge learned in the university classroom uh, to the PK-12 settings. I, I, would, I would agree with Manny 100%. One of the most important things is having that area public schools for um, clinicals or practicum or whatever you're gonna call them. Uh, I always tell people that we could not even come close to having the quality of program that we have unless we had good quality adaptive physical education teachers in our area school districts. We have them as very, very significant contributing partners on our grants because we need those folks as mentors for our graduate students. Also, I think understanding that when adaptive PE teachers get out in the school districts, they're going to be collaborating. And so it's also important to have in the area school districts, occupational therapists, physical therapists, maybe speech and language, school psychology, that are going to be willing to take a half hour and talk to the adaptive physical education graduate students about how they are going to be interacting and collaborating once they get their jobs in the schools. And I, I also think at the, at the university level, it's helpful to have a good quality general physical education teacher preparation program, because inevitably the graduate students will likely take a few courses within a master's program that's part of general education and adaptive physical education. And that those collaborative activities with the general physical education population those are very, very important because one of the major roles of these adaptive PE teachers in the schools is to work with general PE teachers to be sure that things are successful for the kids that are appropriately included into general PE. So those adaptive PE teachers and the general PE teachers really need to have a good relationship. Absolutely. Sounds like, like the key is a lot of collaboration, a lot of communication. And, uh, and something I'm, you know, I'm looking to, to submit an OSEP K grant in spring right now, and I am 
starting to really put a lot of time into the various aspects of it. And I think uh, Dr. Felix, Felix's uh, advice of being early is really important. I've heard of people trying to throw these together in three months, and uh, I have no idea how someone does that. That looks at least of any quality. So, <laughs> But um, my last uh, question for you, Dr. Felix, before we have uh, our next kind of cohort is just how have these grants impacted you personally? Right. Well, personally, I definitely would not be where I am today without being funded through these training grants. Um, as a minority student, I would have never been able to pursue graduate school without tuition assistance. I remember vividly during my senior year at UC Davis wondering where, where my future lied in physical education. And I passed that bulletin board and it said tuition assistance. And that, that drew me to that program instantly. And so I, I talked with Dr. Timeson about it and decided that this was a great opportunity for a person like me to go through a high quality program and be able to do it virtually debt free. So um, at the time, I definitely would not have chosen a path where I would be saddled with more debt. So the tuition assistance really allowed me to attend such a renowned program and focus on what I needed to do to become a highly effective APE professional. And I, I had such a positive experience at the master's level. It then became apparent to me that I further wanted to pursue doctoral level leadership at Oregon State University. And while there again, I was able to concentrate on my studies without having to worry about that financial debt because there is uh, financial tuition assistance there as well. So looking back at my career path, because of being funded as a scholar student, um, I feel it has significantly shaped my career path as a PK-12 adaptive PE teacher and a professional professor in higher education. And I, I firmly believe that I would not be where I am today without OSEP funding of these programs. If it's okay, I'll just kind of add my own story. I briefly said that I also got a master's uh, through the K grant as well. And uh, similarly, I mean, initially it was very much like tuition free uh, or, you know, tuition taken care of with a stipend uh, which most of these grants have, well, they ha all have something along those lines. Um, and, you know, I'm a first uh, generation college student, and now I have my PhD and such. And, and you know, these things, they really do provide an amazing opportunity. And as Dr. Timeson, we began the podcast by talking about all the people, um, you know, in like in leadership positions in APE now, and, and the vast majority of them have had you know, either their doctorate or their master's came up through these things and they provide so many opportunities for, you know, maybe people that, that wouldn't have had those opportunities before. So I really think it's an amazing um, grant that we need to continue to keep alive and, and strong in our field. Yeah, I, you know, there are many, many oodles and oodles of graduate scholars in the APE because of these OSEP funded grants. And I feel really strongly that, especially for those who have been funded off these grants, that they contribute back in some way to support future OSEP funding. I think that professors in higher education who have benefited from these grants take a mindset that we have this professional obligation to help ensure that OSEP funding continues onward in our profession. And you know, we can do this by participating in OSEP funding process by serving as a panelist reviewer in the funding competitions, and demonstrating need of APE programs by contributing to a large body of submissions of these grants. 
Yeah, so I, I really think that for those who have benefited, um, and, and for me personally, I feel a, uh, an obligation to give back to the profession that helped me so much and the OSEP funded training grants that were provided to me. With that, I really appreciate your time, Dr. Felix. Uh, we, I think we have Brock McMullen that just joined on, uh, or Julia May, I'm not. And so I really appreciate your time. Hello, Brock and Julia. Uh, Brock uh, McMullen is, a, uh, is the new adapted physical education professor at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Julia May is one of his current OSEP Master Scholars. As Dr. Timeson said at the beginning, we have a full kind of, what, what was it? Uh, the OSEP funding and me uh, yeah, timeline. Mm -hmm. So, uh, right, and we're kind of completing the circle right now. We started with people that you know, we're funded, I think, back in the uh, early 80s and such, and now we're getting to all, all the way to today. Um, and so thank you very much for both coming on the podcast. Uh, will you both briefly talk a, a little bit about yourself and your background in APE? Yeah, I'll start. So I received my undergraduate degree in physical education with a minor in adapted physical education from UW-La Crosse. And then I moved on uh, eventually to the University of Utah to complete my graduate work, including my PhD in adapted PE and sport pedagogy with Hester Henderson, who actually just retired about three years ago and was funded with OSEP personnel preparation grants for probably 25 plus years. Um, I also taught for five years in general and adapted physical education before beginning my current position, like Scott just mentioned at UW-La Crosse as the director of the undergraduate and graduate physical education programs. And I am just finishing my fourth year um, in that particular role. Yeah, so I'm Julia May. Um, I'm currently the graduate, a graduate student at UW-La Crosse. Um, before coming here last June, my experience with APE was very minimal. Um, I'm from Vermont and um, throughout high school and in younger ages, APE was not like a profession or a job I ever had heard of. Um, when I was in undergrad, I had one APE class, one three credit class that I took. And then um, I found this program. And so then very minimal experience up until now, but then now being in the program, I've had more than I could ever imagine. Wonderful. So I'll start out with Brock. I'm going to ask you a little bit um, how you've seen these uh, OSEP personnel grants impact the AP profession in higher ed and in the local schools. Yeah, so first I'll start with the local schools. And the first one that I see, and I think this is pretty obvious, is preparing quality teachers. Um, going off of what Julia just mentioned, she did not have that much experience coming in uh, with adaptive physical education to the program. And so many times these OSEP preparation grants are a student's real first exposure to disability, particularly in the field of physical education. And when you prepare students um, in that particular way and prepare them to teach those students in a quality way, it sends a positive reputation around your state and the country when those students graduate and move on to their jobs. In Utah, for example, which is a state that was not necessarily known statewide for its K-12 adapted PE programs. However, because of the work of Hester Henderson and her students that graduated and went on to work, a majority of Utah APE teachers came from her program 
and the APE profession in that particular state and in those school districts in the state of Utah are becoming more known and respected because of her work. So again, that is the direct result of her having those OSEP preparation grants for 25 plus years. And then in addition to preparing quality teachers in the K-12 schools, it also teaches students to advocate for adaptive physical education. So yes, you obviously learn about disability. You learn about teaching strategies and IEPs and all that fun stuff that we need to know. But one of the most important things that you learn is the background, the legal knowledge and why adapted physical education is important, why adapted physical education should be provided legally to students with disabilities. Um, and so again, these preparation programs have done a lot to prepare students, scholars, and then eventually teachers to advocate for their programs to maybe start up an adapted PE program in their district, to create an adapted sport league and an after school program in their district. Um, so again, even though they prepare teachers to teach, they also prepare them to do a lot more, especially advocate. And then in regards to higher education, I mean, ultimately these OSEP personnel preparation grants have allowed schools to essentially have graduate programs and adapted PE. I mean, I can say pretty straightforwardly that our graduate program and adapted PE at UW-La Crosse would probably not exist, especially with consistent student enrollment without an OSEP preparation grant. Because most students, after they finish their bachelor's degree, can go out and teach in the K-12 schools in general PE and possibly even teach APE classes. However, these OSEP preparation grants have provided funding for scholars to enroll full-time in a graduate program at a particular university that would probably not be possible without the funding that we are providing them. And so again, it's, it's helped establish universities as being, you could call it adapted physical education hubs or preparation centers. And you think when you think of schools like that, you think of, in my opinion, UW-La Crosse, Texas Women's University, Brockport, Cortland, for example. Again, schools that have historically had uh, OSEP preparation grants. That's a, a really interesting and good point that, you know, like, would these programs exist? And I might also say, because we are kind of a marginalized field that people don't know of, you know, that's also why we don't have people kind of knocking on the doors without the funding, right? Because most people aren't signing up for a major that they don't know exists, uh, you know, and the funding obviously provides that. So, um, so to both of you, Julia and Brock, um, can you tell me a little bit about how the OSEP grant has impacted you personally? Yeah, so kind of like what you just said, kind of exposing you to something that you wouldn't just go because you didn't know about. That's exactly what the grant has given to me. Um, before this, I didn't, I knew I loved working with like students with disabilities, but I just figured like the job I had doing PE and health, that would suffice. And then now like seeing this whole, like it's actually a profession and there's a lot of um, different things you can do with it. I've just honestly found like a dream job. I think this is my dream job and I wouldn't have been able to even see it if I didn't have this grant that I was able to use and come here. Um, it also just provided exposure and confidence in this field 
So like before I had one class um, that was all about um, students working with students with disabilities. And now I've worked countless hours with different students in different situations. So I am very confident in my skills. And um, it also helps financially that you're not having to, I'm able to get my master's master's degree and just focus on actual schooling and not having to think about how I'm going to pay for it while I'm in the school the way that we have it here we can really just focus on our schoolwork which I think it makes it more of a um, enriching environment because we don't have a lot as many outside sources interfering and then for me personally you know going back to what I mentioned before it obviously enhanced my APE teaching content knowledge my ability to advocate my legal knowledge all those fun things but where I really learned the most and how it impact how the impact it had on me the most was during my time as Hester's project coordinator during my time in my PhD. I can quite honestly say that during my master's, I may or may not have even known what OSEP stood for. All I knew was I was getting funded in adapted PE at the master's level, and it was awesome. Um, but when I moved on to my PhD eventually, uh, again, working as her project coordinator, I had the opportunity to work with her to collect data, evaluate students in the field, have dozens and dozens of conversations with her about, you know, what the grant was like, how do you submit, how do you do that, how do you evaluate, all those types of things. And so because of that, coming into this job here, I was, in a sense, relatively prepared to direct a grant, and then ultimately about a year or two later, work on submitting an application to have a newly funded grant. So again, the impact of an OSEP preparation grant had, a, I would say, it would, based on my current position, a bigger impact on me when I actually wasn't even funded on it. I was just working as the project coordinator during my PhD, but obviously during the time where I was funded, Again, it still enhanced my teaching skills, my knowledge, all those necessary skills needed to teach students with disabilities and then also teach in higher ed to prepare students to work with kids with disabilities. Julia, before you came on, we talked a little bit about the importance of having good area school district adapted PE teachers as part of these OSEP adapted PE grants. Can, can you talk a little bit about um, the, the teachers and the related service personnel that you've been able to interact with in area schools and how that's helped you out? Oh yeah, for sure. I think we're very um, blessed to be in this area. I feel like lacrosse has some very high quality, um, not just APE teachers, but also physical therapists, occupational therapists, um, speak, speech and language pathologists, um, all of the different services. Um, and they're very willing to teach us and learn. So like I was able to go when I was in my high school level, I've been able to not only talk with the high school APE teacher and learn from him, but the other general education PE teachers will give any guidance they have or any knowledge. And then also the um, OTs and PTs and anyone you really pat, like um, anyone you really see, they're all willing to tell you anything you want to know, talk to you through different situations with you and really teach you, which is very great. And I had the same experience when I was in the elementary level as well in the fall. They just really care about us learning and they'll answer any questions you have and are really 
it were, it's really just a great area to be in because you learn a lot more than with the related services and then also other direct services. And, and Julia is in um, one of the interdisciplinary OSEP grants and um, she is taking some shared courses. So Julia, tell us a little bit, um, you're taking a shared course in consultation and collaboration with school psychologists. You're taking a special education law class. You're taking a behavior management class. How, how have those things helped you in relation to what you think you'll be doing in the future in a school district? Yeah, for sure. Those two or those three courses have just kind of opened, not just my eyes, but I think everyone else in my cohort um, to be able to see like the other side of the students. So we really see them in like a PE setting or like a physically moving setting. And these other courses kind of give us more light into what um, like a typical day setting or like classroom setting would be for the students and kind of how you help them in those other settings. So it kind of makes your perspective change to then think about in different settings, how they react, what stuff you can take from our setting to then help in like the classroom setting if they're trying to learn in math or science. Um, and then also just learning through other people that are in completely different majors. So like with the school psychology students, I think we've learned a lot more about just a school psychologist in general and more of an appreciation for what they do, how they do it and all the information they have to learn. And we know more about what their role is so we can ask them questions and ask them about certain things with students. And then that's the same with the special education law class too. We've really gotten an in-depth knowledge of all the laws, not just with APE, but just special education in general. So then we can kind of in those IEP meetings, we know it doesn't just like go over the top of our heads. Like we know a lot of the laws and what's expected and if something's not being offered to students, so I think they just kind of make us, these different classes make us more well-rounded and seeing different sides to the student, not just the physical activity or motor movement side or fine motor movement that we see in our setting, but seeing them in different settings. That was very well said. Uh, and I, mine was not interdisciplinary. And there's parts of me now that think of like things like that and how nice that would have been to have kind of that experience as well. Um, of uh, yeah and you're also impacting like again we have to get the word out of who we are and so you're impacting all these other professionals knowing about who we are through being interdisciplinary but even just being in those types of classes and such um my last question then is is kind of a you know to to brock just the the types of resources that you feel like you need and and some tips that you think are would be helpful for those trying to pursue an APE OSEP grant of their own? Resources and tips. I mean, those are, those are things that everybody wants to know about. How do you do it? How do you apply? And, and, what, do you, and what do you do when you finally get it? I know that's a, a big uh, or a common phrase and message from Dr. Timerson is, you know, the real work starts when you get the grant as opposed to when you're applying for it. So even though the application process for an OSEP grant can be daunting, and that's one of my tips is, is you start early. You start nine to 12 months before the deadline to at the minimum to make sure you have everything uh, prepared to submit when it's due. And the reason you do that to start early is because you need such strong institutional support. And when I say institutional support, I don't just mean from your 
college dean. I mean, from your dean on up, you also need commitment from your department chair, co-workers within your department, whether they're within your exercise science or kinesiology department, within your physical education major program, because those folks are more than likely going to be tasked with teaching some courses, potentially advising some students on graduate work, et cetera. And then you're also going to need, again, in our experience, a whole separate program on campus that's willing to partner with you and take classes together and work with you. And so that was a particular challenge for us on campus when we submitted our interdisciplinary grant is we met with our physical therapy, occupational therapy programs, our graduate rec management and therapeutic recreation programs as well. And we found that, you know, particularly with PT and OT, that due to not necessarily accreditation issues, but just their need for accreditation, that they have such a lockstep program that finding ways for our students to fit into their classes or having their students come over and take some adapted physical education just really didn't seem possible. And so the, again, before you submit a grant and before you're even interested in submitting a grant, you need to find a partner now to work with. And if you can't find a partner where you're willing to have classes together, do stuff out in the schools together, then submitting an inter interdisciplinary grant isn't necessarily worth your time. And so when we had that connection and agreement from our school psychology program that, you know, these are the potential classes that we could take together. And the one great thing was that our students for the last 10 or 15 years, our graduate APE students and school psychology students were already taking the special ed law course together. So that was one thing that they, we already had in common. So finding another course or two and some clinical experiences to work in together wasn't all that challenging. Um, because both programs were generally familiar with what we did and how things operated. Uh, but then going back again, in terms of what I needed and, and some tips, you know, you also need local school support. And the reason for that is because if you're going to prepare teachers to go or scholars to go out and be teachers, they need to see what it really looks like. They need to see what APE looks like in the schools. And to do that, you need quality APE teachers in your local public schools. And thankfully here in La Crosse, we have four districts within about 15 or so miles and a total of, I would say uh, off the top of my head, probably double digit adapted PE teachers in those four districts total. And that just provides a number of placements for our students to go out into the schools and get real hands-on teaching experience and quality mentorship from our local adapted PE teachers. And then again, my final tip, my final thing that I would suggest for people interested in submitting a program is talk with and communicate with other project directors around the country. See what they did, see who they partnered with, what worked for them in terms of combined courses or how did you get these two students to work together? Um, you know, I'm, I talk with Susanna Dillon quite regularly down at Texas Women's University and, and we're, even though our students aren't taking anything together, we're working on probably next year doing maybe 
two combined seminars in the fall and spring semesters with our adapted PE students. And again, the way these OSEP programs are successful and the way they have an impact broadly across the country, both in higher education and then in the K-12 level is through this collaboration. And these grants, again, wouldn't be successful if it wasn't for collaboration at the university level. So again, with your coworkers, with your administration, with your local teachers, but then again, collaboration with other folks in higher education around the country. And that's the challenging part is because adapted PE is in a sense, a marginalized uh, profession. You have to go out and find where are these programs? Where are these adapted PE preparation centers at around the country? And then once you do find them, use those folks as resources, communicate with them about what jobs are available. You know, and, and that's what we do in the profession. We share jobs that are available. Oh, there's a job in Wisconsin. I'll share that with those down in Texas, or there's six jobs available down in Texas. Susanna will be willing to share that information with me and we have students applying down there. And so again, the way our adaptive PE profession grows and becomes better is when all of our students at all of our universities around the country don't just stay home, but leave and spread their wings and share this OSEP APE grant knowledge and teaching skills and abilities with others around the country, just again, to spread their wings, but also to spread the knowledge about what good quality adapted PE is. Yeah, and uh, I'll just reinforce what Brock was saying about communicating with other university programs. One of the best things, Scott, that your listeners can do if they're in higher education is become a member of the National Consortium on Physical Education for Individuals with Disabilities. Um, you know, the consortium is really the only professional national organization in adapted physical education. And one of the things that you can do as a member of the consortium is get to know all of these project directors that have these OSEP grants. You know that, Brock knows that, I know that. Everybody who has these grants knows the importance of the consortium because the consortium is an advocate with the Federal Department of Education. So again, for your listeners, if you're in higher education and even in PK-12, become a member of the National Consortium on Physical Education for Individuals with Disabilities. It's the organization in adapted physical education. So with that, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, this podcast, this conversation with you all. And Brock and Julia, you're our last kind of guest. We've had three other people that have uh, grant funding um, through the years. And, and with that, Dr. Timeson, thank you for putting this whole podcast together because really this was a driving force from you. And as we kind of end this podcast, I just wonder if you had any kind of closing remarks for our listeners. Absolutely, yeah. For, for the students that are in the audience right now listening to this podcast, um, remember, the message is there are graduate programs throughout the country that can fund your master's program or your doctoral program. Um, there's programs at La Crosse, there's Cal State Chico, Oregon State University, Texas Women's University, Western Michigan University, an online program. So for the students that are listening to this podcast, 
And if you're serious about being an adapted physical education professional, there are programs out there for you. If you're a faculty member in higher education, remember this, this competition is an annual competition. And if you have a graduate program or an emphasis in adapted physical education, you should seriously think about communicating with people like myself, with Brock, with other project directors and asking questions. Um, because I personally think there are many universities out there that could be part of this OSEP funding um, operation. Uh, I think there's people out there that think they're too difficult. And like Brock was saying, you just need to sit down and do it months ahead of time. Uh, Scott, you know that right now. Um, hopefully in the future, uh, the, uh, the consortium maybe will have some webinars uh, that will assist faculty members for writing these grants, um, but they're out there. Take advantage of it. Um, it's one of the best ways that we enhance our reputation in the schools and in higher education uh, is having these OSEP funded grants, and they're needed. Uh, because as we started off this podcast by saying, there is a severe shortage of special education teachers, including adapted physical education teachers. And this OSEP funding uh, and, and projects throughout the country over the last 30, 40 years, it's probably been the major impact in adapted physical education in the PK-12 schools. Like Ron French said, uh, I can't imagine what the situation would be like if it wasn't for OSEP funded grants and the thousands and thousands and thousands of kids we've impacted by having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of adaptive physical education teachers who have been prepared with these grants. Well said, and thank you all for your time, your thoughts, your experience, uh, and for the wonderful conversation.